Okay, as each day passes, it is becoming clearer to us, isn't it, that we are living in a momentous time in human history. Isn't that right, that we're, we're living through a momentous time? Uh, it was suggested on a, a recent podcast that I was listening to that in future years people are going to look back on human history and they're going to see it just in terms of before coronavirus and after coronavirus. You know, the uh, COVID-19 in terms of its significance, it's kind of like 9-11 and the financial crash kind of all just rolled into one. I was speaking to a colleague of mine on a Zoom call this week and I asked him how, how he was getting on, how were things? And he said, yeah, you know, like everything was fine. But he also said that he knows that in like 50 years time, his grandkids are going to ask him, uh, what was it like, Granddad, to live in 20? His grandkids are going to ask him, what was it like to live through that pandemic? This is a significant uh, point in human history. Well, how are we, how are you, how are we responding to this? How are we re- reacting to it? Because I think everyone tuning in just now and watching this, I think we all know, don't we, that when hardship comes into our lives, there is a tendency towards self-pity. Isn't there a tendency towards self-pity? Think about it just now, this pandemic strikes and our holiday plans, all of them kind of just go out, uh, you know, out the window. <laughs> and uh, we can't see a family, can't see our friends. Some of our, some of our big life plans just got a big red line through it, didn't they? And we can think of ourselves as just desperately unfortunate. We can, this is unfair. In short, because we are living in 2020, there is this temptation, I think, towards just quite simply you and me feeling sorry for ourselves, right? Well, is that an appropriate response? Is that right? Like, as Christians, should we respond to this pandemic just with self-pay? Or are there truths out there, are there truths in Scripture that actually can fight against that. They can actually help us to, to, to view our situation in new and a much more positive light. Is that Well, here's the deal. Maybe uh, is that you are joining uh, these videos for the very first time today. Is this your first time tuning in? If so, it's probably worth you knowing that we have been, over recent weeks, working our way through a New Testament book called First Peter. And this really is a letter and it is written to people just like us. It's written to believers who are going through really tough times, okay? And as we sort of move forward uh, into the book this morning, really what we find is epic. Because you know what Peter does? Peter reminds his readers, you and me, he reminds his readers of just all the things that we've got to be thankful for. What he does here in this book is he tells us that though we are going through suffering. That living this side of Calvary, living as we do, this side of the cross, that as people we are most blessed. Living this side of the cross, that we are receiving inestimable, innumerable privileges from that gracious hand of our God. And for a short time just now, what I actually want us to do is just to notice... Uh, three privileges that Peter tells us about in this portion of scripture. Three privileges that can help us kind of rise above our predicament, help us to view this pandemic with new, new eyes. Okay, so I'll just pause for a second while you run as quickly as you can and get a Bible. 
Okay, you can't pause the video, can you? And certainly if you're watching on Sunday morning, you can. <clears throat> so I'll pause, you get your video, uh, not your video, your Bible, and then we'll look at the first privilege, okay? So you've got your Bible, you've run off speed of sound and come back. Here's the first privilege, please listen to this. Peter shows us that we are privileged to live in the New Testament age. That we are, as Christians, today, you and I, we are privileged to live in the New Testament age. Now, if you have been with us um, recently in these videos, you'll perhaps remember that thus far in First Peter, Peter has been using a lot of Old Testament language and Old Testament terms. Do you, do you remember that? He's described his readers as, remember, elect exiles. He's talked about dispersion, peace. And using Old Testament terms to assure these Gentile Christians that they're not kind of like misfits, outsiders, that they are actually part of God's plan, that they are part of the true Israel of God, right? So Old Testament terms. Got it? Remember that? Well, today in this section, from speaking about Old Testament terms, what Peter actually does is take us, and he takes us to some Old Testament people. He introduces us to some Old Testament figures. You might have noticed that he talks about the prophets of old. Did you pick up on that? Now, I know everybody watching and knows who the prophets are. Even the boys and girls who are perhaps watching just now, you know, don't you, boys and girls, who the prophets are? They are the people in the Old Testament who heard a message from God. And what did they do? They, they were charged with delivering that message to the people. So we know who the prophets are. But what does Peter actually say about the prophets here? Well, I'll tell you this. What we actually learn here is quite astonishing. Listen to this. What we're told is that when these prophets of old, when they received a message from God, and, now listen, if that, as so often was the case, if that message concerned God's coming work of salvation through the Christ that was to come, do you know what we learn? When they got that, they were absolutely desperate to learn more. These prophets received this message from the Holy Spirit, and they were desperate to know how these prophecies were going to be fulfilled. So much so, do you see what we're told here? We are told that these prophets poured their hearts into ardent study. Look at this in verse 10. You see it, the prophets, they hear from the Holy Spirit about the Christ, and they look. They search and they inquire carefully, inquiring what person or, or circumstance or time or is, is the spirit indicating. Now, you sit there, you, you know yeah, your Bible well, don't you? So, so you can maybe even with me just now kind of envisage and imagine what that would be like. Can you? You can do it, right? Like take these prophecies of suffering that are mentioned here. Think about it. There's Isaiah. Right, and he's, he hears from the Holy Spirit that this one to come was going to be crushed for our iniquity? Or there's Zechariah, do you remember that prophecy in Zechariah where people are going to look on at the one they have pierced and he's scratching his head. It's like, what's that going to mean? Like, what's that going to look like? Or what about these prophecies of subsequent glory for Jesus? Can you imagine Moses? That's a beauty. You know, you go back to Genesis, imagine Moses hearing from God of a seed, <laughs> like a singular offspring that was going to come from the woman, who was going to rise up and crush the serpent's head. You can see Moses, right, with Isaiah, Zechariah, and they're all, they're written down. 
But they're wrestling with this stuff, aren't they? They're, they're repeating scripture with scripture, crying out to God. Like, what is this going to look like, God? How is that going to be fulfilled? Do you see? Well, if you can sense that, I think, I think it's longing, you know, that prophetic longing to know about the Christ. If you can sense it, then isn't it, don't you agree, incredible what we, what we learn here? Have a look at verse 12 with me. It was revealed to these prophets, Peter says, that they were not, or they were serving not themselves, but Peter says to these New Testament Christians, these first century Gentiles, he says, these Old Testament prophets were ultimately serving you. My friend, do you not, do you not, Marvel at that? Like, did you not see how amazing that is? Like, Peter is ultimately saying here that these Old Testament prophets, they realised that they would never in this life understand fully those prophecies. That yes, there was some relevance to their present circumstance and to the people around them. There was some relevance there, but they're they're never going to fully understand it. Why not? God reveals to them that ultimately those Old Testament prophecies were for a later age, for a future people. Now you need to think about it with me. Those Old Testament prophecies God reveals were ultimately, primarily, fundamentally for New Testament Christians. Wow. Now, I'm reading this book that I've got here. Right? Let me show it to you. Let me recommend it to you. Do you see it there? The Mystery of Providence by a man called... uh, I don't know, like John Flavel, maybe? John Flavel? Jean Flavel? I don't know what his name is. But it is a great book. Now what the author, I think, is trying to do in this book, he's trying to push Christians to appreciate some of the blessings that we get from God that we very often take for granted. Like, did you see the idea? He wants us to think about God's providential care for us, the goodness he shows in our lives, the things that we've read, they just go unrecognised. So I'll give you a couple of examples in the book. Like, the idea, were you brought up in a Christian home? Flavel's pushing that to us and saying, that's amazing, that privilege. Like, we could have been brought up under Islam. We could have been brought up in a, an atheistic home. If we are brought up uh, by Christian parents, what a blessing. Or another one he talks about, you know, are, are, we, are we living in a country where there's freedom of religion? You know, freedom to express the Christian faith. Again, he's saying, don't you realise, if you look at the span of human history, how privileged you are to be able to live out your life as a Christian? Well... In that same vein, I've got a question for you right now, especially if you, like me, have a a tendency towards self-pity when there's these hardships and this pandemic. If you're like me in that respect, you listen to this. Here's my question. If you're a Christian, friend, do you not for a moment recognise how incredibly privileged we are to live when we do? How incredibly privileged we are to live today. Do, do you not see it? Let me ask you, like, do we live in, do you live in the time of Noah? <laughs> where there was unusual wickedness rampant on the earth? You don't, do you? Do, do you live in the time of numbers? You remember when, you know, people are having to walk in the wilderness for 40 years as an example to a future generation? Is that us? Is that you? 
Are we living under the sacrificial system? You know, are we having to make bloody sacrifices every day? Or are we living in the intertestamental period when God is apparently silent for years and years? And and, and you say back to me, no, we're not living then. And I say, well, when do we live? Do you not see how privileged we are? You and I are living in the time these prophets long to see. Living today, you and I know what these Old Testament prophets so desperately long to know. Living this side of Calvary, this side of the cross, we are able to see the detail. We, we are able to see with clarity the fulfillment of God's plan. Come on. Who is the seed of the woman in Genesis chapter 3? We know. Don't we? Why was there a Passover lamb in the book of Exodus you know, I know. We know it, right? Like, why is there the sin-bearing scapegoat in Leviticus? We know. Why was Bethlehem mentioned in Micah? You know, don't you? Like, why was Jonah in the belly of a fish for three days? We look to Christ Jesus. We look to his life, his death, his resurrection. And you and I, we understand the detail of it. We understand the clarity of it. Don't you see how privileged we are? Friends, are we giving itself pay? Are we? Are we feeling sorry for ourselves? Listen to what Jesus says. Listen to his words in Matthew 13. He says, Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, Jesus says, many prophets and many righteous men long to see what you see and they could not see it. They long to hear what you have heard and they do not hear. We are incredibly privileged to love how we do. And if you recognise that, and I pray that you do, friend, then maybe also you see some application rise out of this. Because you and I have talked about the fact that so many people have more time on their hands presently, isn't that right? That might be the case for you. Certainly you don't have to commute to work, many of you. And there's more time you have to work, it's hectic. Your social life has been certainly curtailed a little bit, hasn't it, or what? What are we going to do with our spare time? I mean, is it just going to be about subscribing to Disney? Is it just about doing some household project, like some craft or doing up a room? Is that it? Or should we not spend the time with God, studying God's word? And, and let me be a little bit more precise about it. Could we not take an Old Testament book during lockdown and make it our own. Do you, do you see what I mean? Taking a book of the Old Testament that we don't know particularly well just now and reading it through, then going back to the beginning and studying it with resources even. You know, studying its theme, studying how it points to our salvation, studying what God is saying to us. After all, what do we learn in First Peter? What do we learn? In that Old Testament book, it is a book that teaches you of the sufferings and the subsequent glories of our Saviour and Lord. And more than that, what do we learn in First Peter 1? You see that Old Testament book? It's amazing. Ultimately, that Old Testament book, fundamentally, primarily, that is a book that is written for you. So we are privileged. We can feel pity 
about living through a pandemic and all our plans changing, if we look at it spiritually, oh, we are so privileged to live when we do in this New Testament age. A second thing that I uh, want us to notice here is this, that friends, we are privileged to hear from the Holy Spirit. We are privileged to hear from the Holy Spirit. Now, one uh, criticism that's often levelled at the Reformed faith, at Reformed Christianity, is that people like us don't really do the Holy Spirit. You heard that sort of, uh, that accusation before. Churches like ours, oh yes, they try to revere God the Father, they try to exalt God the Son, but the third person, the Trinity, gets a bit of a raw deal uh, from Reformed Christianity. You heard that before, I've heard it a lot, and between us, not that convinced uh, about uh, the legitimacy of that at all. Um, whether it's true or not, it's definitely the case that right now you and I have to start thinking about the Holy Spirit. Because as Peter goes on here, he gives us some invaluable truths about the third person of the Trinity. And most of it revolves around how the Spirit works. Not just who he is, but how the Spirit works. So you look at uh, look at this with me. Look at verse 11. May you have a look there? Look at verse 11. Now, did you see this? Peter says that, how did the, how did the Holy Spirit work? The, the Holy Spirit predicted through the prophets, truths about Christ. He predicted through the prophets the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories. Do, do you see what that means? That means in the Old Testament, in these prophetic days, God did not just act as he did in Jesus' baptism. You know, God did not just speak from the sky truths about his son. No, what did the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit used men, used prophets. And think about that. Spit on his head. Think about that from the prophet's perspective. Can you think about that for a second? Imagine how marvellous that would be to have such intimacy with the Spirit, to know that the Spirit of God is speaking through you, using you. Imagine the connectedness, the closeness. You know that the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to you. What do you think? It's just marvellous, right? Now, it could almost lead us, so splendid, it could almost lead us to, to being a bit jealous of these Old Testament prophets, right? Well, there is absolutely no need, because you just listen. You listen to the main point that Peter is making here. Why is he talking about the Holy Spirit? Listen, he's talking about the Holy Spirit to show you, to show me, the continuity of God's work. Like what Peter's doing here is trying to encourage us, showing us, listen, that the same Holy Spirit who spoke to those Old Testament prophets, he is the very same Holy Spirit who is at work today in us and in our church. Look at verses 11 and 12 again. You see it? The, that Holy Spirit who's predicting to the prophets, look at verse 12, it's the same Holy Spirit who is announcing truths to us. Isn't it marvellous? We've got no need to be jealous of the, the prophets at all. There's continuity here. Now that... It's grey, surely it is, but there is something better here. At this point, I says, my way, I'm just, I want to uh, mix things up a little bit. I don't know about you, I'm still finding this weird. <laughs> Are you not finding it a little, you getting used to it? It's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. Like, look at me. I've got like a table, no pulpit, no lectern to bang, you know? 
And uh, look, it's a video screen we're faced with, and I can't be with you, can't be here, we can't, we can't, it's just not ideal, it is not great, we have to be thankful for it, and we are, but it's so weird, right, it's so strange, but it, this medium does enable us to do things, I suppose, that, that we wouldn't otherwise do, or shouldn't otherwise do, or whatever, uh, here's something we can do, okay, so it's jigsaw time. I want you to follow this. Please try and follow it. And, and the boys and girls, you may be doing your worksheets or you're maybe falling asleep. You pay attention to me for a second, okay? Everyone, let's try and get this. So, look at this. This is part of uh, verse 12, isn't it? Right, now, take a quick look. Now, this is what we're going to do. Let's take the middle section of that verse away. There it's gone. It's away. Now, what do we learn there? Like, let's just read what we've got, right? What do we, we learn these great things of Christ, how they come to us. They, you know, there's beautiful experience for the prophets, but that same Holy Spirit speaking, how have these great things of Jesus been announced to us? They, what's those words? By the Holy Spirit. So the gospel is announced by the Holy Spirit to us. That's great. Fine. Now, look at this. Here's my question for you here, right? How does the Holy Spirit Speak today, like what vehicle does the Holy Spirit use to communicate this gospel truth? Look what happens when I put this middle section in. Look at this. These things have been announced to us, yes, by the Holy Spirit, but how? Look at those words. Through those who preach the good news to us to see how amazing and how exciting that really is. Yes, there is continuity, that same Holy Spirit is still at work and there's still intimacy, but how does the Holy Spirit communicate to us today? Through the regular preaching, expository preaching of God's words, isn't it? In fact, you know what, I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to say that you and I are even in a better position than those Old Testament prophets. We've got no need to be jealous of them because today what's the reality? We don't have to have wait for infrequent messages from the Holy Spirit, uh, like a, just an occasional word from God. What would we, we have regular, regular communication from the Holy Spirit. There is this, in the New Testament church, there is this metronomic communication how through the regular weekly preaching of the good news Sunday by Sunday. Isn't that marvellous? God speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks and speaks and speaks to us. This is what the larger catechism says. It says this. Listen to these words. The Spirit of God, he makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, the Spirit makes that an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. Did you see it? Isn't that amazing? Like there, there was us a little ago. We were feeling sorry for ourselves because we're living through a pandemic and we've lost a holiday or we can't see friends and family and we're feeling there's well enough with self-pity. Is there any need for self-pity? Look at us. We are so blessed and so privileged. We live in the greatest period in human history. And more than that, look at us. We get to see and hear 
from the Holy Spirit. We get to know our intimacy with God, our connectedness with God. We get to hear in a special way the voice of God week by week by week by week by week. How that should make you and I value our Sundays when we break out of this lockdown. So we are privileged, aren't we, to live in the New Testament age and we are privileged to hear from the Holy Spirit of God. And then uh, thirdly and lastly this morning, we are privileged to receive saving grace. We are privileged, I'll say it again, privileged to receive saving grace. Okay, so uh, we don't speak enough about the Holy Spirit. Nah, whether that is true or not, uh, what's surely certainly true is that angels rarely get much air time in churches like ours, <laughs> isn't that right? When was the last time you heard a big long sermon about the angelic beings and angelic realm, okay? We don't speak about angels very much, but this is a day of change, isn't it? And uh, as we close here, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sure you agree that what we are confronted with is something really quite intriguing. Look at this. I'll bring it up here. So we're told that the gospel, the good news announced by the Holy Spirit, it is something into which angels long to look. Are you, you, you curious about that? I'm curious about that, right? The gospel is something into which the angels long to... Uh, so what does that, what does that mean? What does it mean? Well... Let me say something a bit, a bit strange here. Um, the verb, I love the verb that Peter uses at this point. That's a bit weird, isn't it? A Scottish idiot loving a verb. Uh, but it's true. It has the force of looking in on something from the outside. So can I give you an example? You know the, um, the resurrection account, the account of the resurrection in John's gospel, don't you? You know it, right? And you know that bit, do you, where uh, Peter and the beloved disciple are running, running full tilt towards the tomb. Do you remember, sort of, John has this nice wee boast where he, <laughs> he outstrips Peter. Then what happens? Gets to the tomb, Peter kind of comes in behind, Peter goes into the tomb. What does John do? Do you remember the beloved disciple? He kind of stands at the, pauses at the entrance of the tomb, doesn't he? And he kind of stoops from the outside and he lo- he looks into the tomb from the outside. Do you see, that verb is the same verb that's used here of angels. And I think you can see why, why these angelic beings, they are so curious and fascinated about the gospel, amazed at this gospel working of God. But they have to stand from the outside and look in on the gospel. Why? Because it is not for them. This gospel work is not for the good, not for the benefit, is not their concern. And I think if we just linger on that just for a moment, it's just truly marvellous to do. Listen, listen, it's true, isn't it, that the angelic realm has had a front row seat when it comes to the incarnation. The angels have had a front row seat to what God is doing. Think about it. The God, the angels have been created to worship. The God that they exist to, to sing praise to, to sing holy, holy, holy about and to this God they have looked on as what he becomes, a 
newborn baby. In fact, what have these angels done? These angels have been the very ones who have announced this birth, didn't they? In their masses, all these angelic hosts singing to the, to the shepherds in the field of this birth. And then what have the angels done? They've been the very ones who have ministered to Jesus after he resisted satanic temptation. Eh? And then these angels, they have announced the resurrection at the tomb. And then these angels have rebuked the disciples at the ascension of Jesus. Yet they've done it, in a sense, bamboozled, haven't they? Like they've been scratching their heads like the prophets were doing. Knowing, well, what, what, this, what is happening here? Looking on from the outside, this is amazing, but this is not for us. This is not for our good. And then you think of the cross. And you think of the... Just a mystery of the cross and the angels. I mean, what mystery for the seraphim and cherubim, don't you think? That this God, the one that is so holy, that the angels have had to cover their eyes with their wings and cover their feet with their wings. They, they look, and where is this God now? They look, and where is he? He's on a cross. This God is... This God in agony, in death, this God himself bearing the punishment for sins due to the people that he himself has created. God bearing their sin. And these angels, look on and they, they marvel, they're confused and they know it is not for them. It is so beautiful and mysterious, they say, it is, it's a glorious thing, but it is not for their good. Then I hope, if nothing else, this morning that brings home to you how privileged you must be, Christian friend, because you know these angels are right. The gospel, so beautiful, so precious, but it was not for them the saving work. Who was it for? That cross, that work. All for you. All of it. For us, it is you and me, it is the church of Jesus Christ alone that are recipients of that great saving work, recipients of this wonderful, earth-shattering, redeeming love of God. And so, yeah, we are definitely going through time. And like, I, I don't mean for a second, friend, to minimise or dilute the genuine suffering that people are facing. And there is loss and there is uh, separation and a lot of it's misery. But we can, as Christians, lose ourselves to, to self-pity. Look at us. We live in the you know, greatest time in history. We have, with the Holy Spirit, great intimacy and this. This gospel, this good news that we have, this news of eternal life in Christ. What you have is so unspeakably beautiful and precious that even this morning, the angels in heaven, they look on at your life. They look on in wonder. And then I, I close with this. A few days ago, I watched a sermon on YouTube. It was a sermon um, preached by a minister called Eric Alexander. And uh, he's dead now. At the time, he was an old, old Scottish bloke. He was preaching in this, he was in America and he was 
preaching in this big old grand American church, packed to the rafters with, with people. And uh, it was a great sermon. He was, and he was preaching on the blessings of Christ, preaching on the cross, and he's, and he's taken with it, and he's, he's so caught up on it, in the wonder of what Christ has done for sinners, such as him and these people, that he ends the sermon with this rhetorical question, this outburst, you know, he's preaching of Christ and the great things that come to the Christian and then he ends by simply saying, who would be anything other than a Christian? Who, given all that Christ has done and all he is and the intimacy we know with you, who would be anything other than a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you are not a Christian and you're listening to this sermon this this morning, I, I pray genuinely that you feel the, the force of that. Surely now you pause, do you not? And, and you think about the wonder of Christ. You think about the glory of Jesus, the condescension of what God has done. And you're learning about all of these privileges that belong to the people of God. Do you not think about it? If you do, I ask you a question. I really do. If you're not a Christian, in the face of all of this, if you're not a Christian, why ever not? If you are not a Christian this morning, friends, surely you must, you must you must revisit this. You must linger over this. You must seek to rectify your greatest mistake ever. You must surely now, even now, bow to this gracious God who offers you forgiveness, full forgiveness for your sin. You must come to Christ and believe upon him for everlasting life. Friend, I leave that with you. Why, why would you not? Not come to Jesus Christ. Give it some thought. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, as your people, we thank you so much for your goodness. We, we have to, in a sense, confess our sin that we do uh, succumb to self-pity all the time, Lord God, especially at a time like this when we're losing so much interaction with people and work is bad and, and our holidays are out the window and we can't see our loved ones. We, 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 we fall into thinking this is unfair and that we're sorry for ourselves. Lord, forgive us. You'd be so good. We have the most precious, precious possession in the gospel. We thank you that we live today. We thank you that we live in a time where we can look back and understand so much of your redemptive work in Christ Jesus. We thank you that you speak to us by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you so much that our gospel, our relationship with Christ is so close, so real, so personal that even the angels long for it. And they long to look into the good news. Lord, hear our prayers. Be with us, we pray. Amen.